Hello and welcome to Clarity. This is our one-year journey as a church. Uh, as we're looking to get a clearer picture of who Jesus is and what he's done, uh, I am Garland. And I'm Nick. And we are here to basically, we, we, we're going we're gonna to be looking at the Gospel of Luke all throughout the spring semester as a church. We've, we've chosen to study through the Gospel of Luke in uh, getting this clear portrait of Jesus as we go through the Epiphany season, the Lent season. And so what we thought would be helpful is um, Luke's a gospel, it's 24 chapters long, and we just wanted to kind of just discuss what it looks like to study a book of the Bible, especially a long book of the Bible, uh, in its entirety. And what is that, how do we do that? What does that look like? And so we're going to try to help get our arms around Luke as we're picking and choosing for clarity out of that out of that gospel. So that if if you're studying this in your clarity book, and if you want to go back and do a deeper study of Luke, this might be a helpful launching point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing for me whenever I get ready to study a book of the Bible is I like to see. I like to see the big picture. I like to see how is this book put together. Um, so that helps me to have context um, for for any little paragraph I'm reading. And so uh, with, with some smaller books, like say the letter to James, you can sit down and read that book beginning to end in 15 minutes and kind of get, kind of get a sense of it. Uh, reading Luke beginning to end, 24 chapters, little bit bigger task. Yeah. And so more daunting, a little bit more daunting. And so a lot of times I'm, I'm going to rely on work other people have done right to help me see the outline, to help me see where this is going. I, I know you and I have both learned a lot from Daryl Bach, right. who is a teacher of both of ours mm-hmm. and has done a lot of work on Luke. Um, and so we lean heavily on, on his stuff and helping us see the picture. And one thing that, that stands out to me when I look at Luke is that it seems to be organized with a, a journey. That there's right. there's a journey for Jesus, right. um, and that his ministry begins up north in Galilee, and everything is moving south toward Jerusalem right. and toward the cross, and so I think that's that having that picture in mind um, for me helps me kind of see that these are not random stories about hey let me tell you another great Jesus story right that Luke has put these stories together to show a direction to Jesus's life. And so that's a starting point for me in trying to understand how to read this gospel. Well, I, I have even, I have even maybe a bigger struggle. Like, who is Luke? Right. What is, so when we talk about, we, we call all these things books of the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Which is really unfortunate because you mentioned James. James is a letter. Right. It's a letter written to scattered churches. And as such, when we approach it as a book, you know, yeah. we, we almost get this, at least for me, I get this notion of, I didn't like reading books growing up. Books can be intimidating and receiving letters can be really cool. And so yeah. when we get to the gospels though, it's a totally different animal. So maybe help us out here. Who's Luke? Yeah. What is a gospel? Mm-hmm. And and then we can kind of make sense of what's going on in Luke as we get in it. Yeah. So um, let's start with the question, what is a gospel? Right. So the word gospel means good news. And so um, it, it talking about the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, figuring out what they even are is a question that kind of baffles scholars right. to the extent that some people think that the gospel writers actually almost invented a new genre completely. Right. Um, so it's kind of like a biography. It's kind of like a biography. But not really. Some people compare it to, um, you know, in the ancient world, they had these kind of hero stories 
where you would tell the life of a significant figure like a Julius Caesar or someone like that and their significant contribution. Um, and so some, some people think it looks a little bit like one of those hero stories. Other people, it kind of a collection of sermons. But one way or another, it, it's, it's a biography of the life of Jesus in some sense. It's telling who he is and what he did, but it's, it's selected on purpose. Um, if you've ever read a biography, a biography that just literally gave every detail of someone's life probably horrible. would be a terrible read. It'd be terrible. Usually, a biography is organized to tell a story about a person's life that emphasizes something, and that's what we get in these Gospels. They're stories about Jesus' life that emphasize what about his life is good news. Right. And the other interesting thing, none of the Gospels have authors named. So the Gospels don't say Hi, I'm written by Matthew. Right. Um, they don't say. Whereas Luke's. Paul will say, like I, Paul, prisoner, da 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 da, writing to you in. Exactly, we have an exact author, so that doesn't mean we don't know anything about these these gospels. In fact, our very very early traditions identify these books with certain authors. Now, Luke is unique in that Luke has a sequel, and that is the Book of Acts. Right. We know that because. Both the book of Luke and the book of Acts are said to be written for this person named Theophilus. And they both start the same way. It looks very similar, right? Yes, it has very similar beginnings. Um, it's written to this person, Theophilus. And so tying Luke to Acts actually gives us some great clarity on what Luke's after. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about Acts, uh, there are some some unique things about what the book of Acts seems to be doing. You want to tell us a little bit about what what's going on in Acts? Yeah, so the book of Acts written by this guy, Luke, who we're, we, we we're told by the Apostle Paul that he's a physician. Uh, so he's an educated guy. Uh, what's interesting to me is he's not one of the disciples. He's not right. one of our 12 disciples. And so he is receiving this word about Jesus, this news about Jesus. He's receiving it by digging down and investigating. And he actually says yeah. that at the beginning of Luke and Acts. And Acts, it's actually unfortunate, it should go maybe Matthew, Mark, John, and then Luke-Acts together because they're meant to be read together. And yeah. what, what Acts will do is pick up, Jesus will lay down a kingdom pronouncement empowered by the Holy Spirit of him as king in the book of Luke. And the way that he will establish himself as king is not how anybody else is expecting. Mm-hmm. He will establish himself as king by giving his life as a ransom for many to seek and save the lost. And it's very interesting what Luke is is painting Jesus as this journey down to Jerusalem to a cross, empowered by the Spirit. What Acts will pick up on is what does that kingdom people look like, empowered by the Spirit, as they go from Jerusalem out into the world. And so it's almost as if the book of Luke takes us from outside up in Galilee down into Jerusalem to the cross. And then the book of Acts, empowered by the Spirit, will tell us the story of the church, God's kingdom people, but from Jerusalem out into the broader world. And it's really a it's a really cool picture of what Luke is doing. It really is. I think another thing that's interesting when you see Luke Acts is in the beginning of Luke, everything is centered on Israel. Uh, it's the hope of Israel. It's it's the Messiah of Israel. By the end of Acts, we have the Jewish people in Rome rejecting the gospel and Paul taking his message to Caesar, and it's reaching Rome. And so I think one of the questions Paul, uh, Luke actually says at the beginning that he is writing this gospel, he says in Luke 1-4, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. It seems like one of the what what is the certainty? What is Theophilus needing to have answered? And it seems like one of the questions is how does something that began so Jewish, a Jewish Messiah coming to offer hope to Israel, 
ultimately end up in this worldwide mission that's so much bigger than Israel? How does a Jewish king become a worldwide savior? And we might say, ultimately, here we sit in Arkansas. Yes. On the other side of the world, uh, entirely separate and talking about this Jewish Jesus who is the savior of the world. It's really, really, Luke's basically saying this is how it gets to Arkansas. Absolutely. Because and, and even in the very beginning in the birth story, Mary, when she hears the announcement, recognizes God's being faithful to his promise to Abraham. When the angels come to the shepherds, they say, I bring you good news of great joy for all, all the people. people. Yeah. So you see that spectrum, even in the birth announcement, from the hope of Abraham to good news for the whole world. And so Luke is tracking that story. So things that, that you're going to want to look for as you're reading Luke, as you read these stories about Jesus, um, look for how is Jesus fulfilling the hope of the Old Testament? Right. How is he fulfilling everything they looked for? But then also look for how is, how is his life a surprise? How is he going beyond the hope of Israel to fulfilling the hope of the whole world? How is he both the king of Israel and the savior of the world? How does that hope go beyond anything we could have, we could have expected? Right. That's that. So we, we could nerd out on Luke for, for a, a while. Very long yeah, time. I know, I know that we, we have the potential of doing that. What, what we're going to do is we want to give you, so we're going to have a lot of readings in Luke in our clarity book. And, 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 if we want to challenge our, our church to study the Bible and dive back into the Bible, it's one of the reasons why we're doing this. And so if you look at the book of Luke, uh, we just want to give a couple of guardrails for it to help you make sense of it. If you want to keep your study of Luke going, and not, like I said, we're going to be taking selections of Luke all throughout uh, the spring semester in our teaching series, what we study in small groups. So when we look at the, the, the gospel of Luke, we're going to see it roughly break down in this journey that you're talking about. So what's interesting in the gospel of Luke, we have our introduction, the first four verses of chapter one. And then Luke will give us a picture of Jesus, we might say in private. We, most theologians call it the pre-public ministry of Jesus. Right. And that's going to be chapter one, verse five, through chapter four, verse 12. And all of this is the presentation of Jesus, Jesus' baptism. And what we're told in, in Luke chapter four, we get this very interesting note. It's after Jesus' baptism and after Jesus' temptations, which we looked at uh, just a couple, a couple of podcasts ago. Luke chapter four, verse 14, we have Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. Yep. This is a marker for us internally of we have now we have Jesus going out in public. Yep. And what's fascinating is look at what Jesus does. The very first thing he does is he goes into the synagogue. He whether he intentionally does this or it's the thing they were reading that day, and he just knew he goes in and he grabs the scroll of Isaiah. Mm. And he he's quoting from this picture of Isaiah from Isaiah chapter 61, this expectation that the Jews have of God restoring Israel, bringing the promises to Israel. As you had said, how is Jesus doing something that fulfills the promises to Abraham and doing something new? Jesus walks in, he reads from the scroll of Isaiah 61, that the spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this is this expectation in the Old Testament of the Jubilee year where the slaves are set free and all debt is washed away. And Jesus comes and says, I have, I'm fulfilling this. Yeah, That's a... That's a a mind blow for a Jew in the first century. And by the way, there's a, what's going to happen is as Luke will unpack the next section. So chapter four, verse 14, all the way through chapter nine, 
I mean, yeah, all the way to chapter 9, verse 50, we have Jesus doing lots and lots of ministry to essentially set the captives free. He's going to heal people of diseases. He's going to do all sorts of things that are very intentionally displaying that that is being fulfilled, this Isaiah 61 promise. But what happens is the religious leaders don't like it. Right. They don't think that a person can come and do this kind of jubilee year in himself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very surprising to the religious leaders, and they begin to oppose Jesus. And as Luke portrays this picture for us, in chapter 9, verse 51, Jesus, it says, he sets his face to go to Jerusalem. Right. He's going to Jerusalem. And all of the next section, it's going to be the largest section of the book, chapter 9, verse 51, all the way through basically chapter 19, verse 44, when he comes into Jerusalem. All of this section of Luke is what we call the Jerusalem journey. Yeah. And this is where Luke gives us some of our favorite parts of Luke. It's filled with parables. It's filled with teachings. It's filled with instruction to his disciples about what it will look like to give up everything to follow him. It's like Jesus knows what's before him, and he's preparing his disciples for what will come after. So that section in both literally is connecting the story, geographically connecting the story, thematically connecting the story of the preaching and power of Jesus to the cross of Jesus. Right. How does this announcement of the Jubilee year arrive at a cross. Correct. And chapters kind of end of 9 through 19 helps bring those two ideas mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's what's what's awesome is here you have Jesus, he is intentionally proclaiming the year of jubilee and the religious leaders don't get it. They say this isn't how we expect it. And a lot of his parables, especially maybe the most famous parable in the book of Luke is the parable that's set in chapter 15. It's in a context of Jesus telling several parables about seeking the lost, seeking things that were lost, seeking things that were abandoned and bringing them back. And then the Mm -hmm. celebration that happens in heaven and the the parable that we get in there of what we'd normally call the parable of the prodigal son, which probably should be renamed the parable of the two sons. And it's this really perfectly woven together picture that Luke is giving. Here you have the lost outsider who receives a party from the father and you have the stubborn older brother insisting on their way. Yeah, Je- Jesus is making a very clear point to the religious leaders of his day that the, what you're expecting is the religious leaders, they're expecting God to be on their side. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who were outside the party. And the outcast, the prisoner, the oppressed, the they are the ones invited into the party and experience the blessing of God. And it sits right in the middle of this section of yeah. Luke. Mm. So good, and so he's 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 setting up the heart of his mission that right. will burst right through the kind of religious pretension of the mm-hmm. leadership of his day that leads to motivate. This is why, because I think one of the biggest challenges for first century was a crucified Messiah. Yeah, why is our king dead? It's a category of thought that you would never expect, and so he's setting that up of why a crucified Messiah, um, because he came to seek and save the lost, mm-hmm. and that's the aim of his ministry and mission. And that, that, by the way, is the key verse. I think if you had to underline a verse in your Bible and say, hey, this is kind of the hinge verse or the key verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 10 might be it yeah. in the book of Luke. And all this this opposition he's facing in this mission that he's teaching, in this these parables that he's teaching, it all comes to a head when he gets to Jerusalem. And so that's the last part of the book is Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. And the very first thing he does is completely intentional. Here comes the king, and people are shouting, Hosanna. 
And we're not really sure if they know what, what's going on. This is right. Passover. There's lots of celebrations. So they may not know exactly what they're saying, but Jesus does. He goes straight into the temple mm. and he overturns the tables, mm. essentially saying this temple and you, you religious leaders, you have missed it and God is bringing judgment here on you. You have to reorient around me. And this is a very intentional thing that Jesus does. It's going to be what eventually leads to his, uh, the betrayal and the arrest and the trials that Jesus will take. So this last part of the book of Luke is the, the passion story of Jesus, the last week of Jesus' life in Jerusalem. And, uh, and it will center on Jesus ultimately seeking and saving the lost by his own crucifixion. And so uh, this cross he's asked his disciples to bear, all throughout that middle section, he will now bear in their place. And Luke gives us a, uh, the story doesn't end there, and Luke gives us this really amazing picture of after Jesus' death and in his resurrection, we get this story that's only found in Luke. You have two disciples of Jesus walking on this road to Emmaus. Jesus shows up. He's resurrected, and they don't recognize him. And as he proclaims and teaches, essentially, he breaks bread, in the same way he did at his last supper. And as they see it, they go, it's Jesus. This is him. He's been resurrected. And then it says he began to tell them how he has fulfilled all of the expectations of Israel and the Jubilee year. He's now fulfilled it in his death mm. and in his resurrection. And they're amazed at this. And so the story ends with a resurrected Messiah who has been victorious over the power of sin and death. And now that, that mission that he's been asking his disciples to be on Acts will pick up and say, through the power of the Spirit, we're going to send this out to all the ends of the earth. So beautiful. Well, man, I, I am excited to look at the Gospel of Luke this year, excited to look at the life of Jesus and how he shapes who we are as a church today. Yeah, it's... it's I love studying the Bible, and I hope that our people do. We're Fellowship Bible Church, and we want to be people who are centered on the Word, and we recognize that for a lot of us reading this or listening to this right now, uh, as we read these, this book, this clarity book, it can be daunting. It's okay, and it can be a challenge to sit down and read chunks of Scripture. We want to challenge our people. Uh, read Luke. Maybe read all of the first section, chapter 1 uh, through four, thirteen. Read all that in one sitting. Yeah. And I know the chapters in Luke are like forever long, like right. 85 <laughs> verses. It's okay. Sit down and read it. And if you miss a date, no big deal. Just stay in the Bible, and let's, let's study this together. We're hoping to get this clearer picture of Jesus. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks, Carl. And hope this uh, gives some, some guidance. And we just pray blessing on our church as we read the book of Luke and get to know Jesus better. Thanks for listening.